With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. to this, that in this session, some very outstanding benefits are going to be received by every one of you. I believe that you should go forth into life with an attitude of enthusiasm 
as we tell you again and again, that life meets you just like you meet life. Challenges of life require work. Success requires mental and physical action. If you want to improve yourself, you've got to do something. And you've got to stop thinking that the president ought to do it for you, or the governor ought to do it for you, or society ought to do it for you. Because you see, in the final analysis, no one can do my doing for me. I can give you these techniques, like the one we're on now, telling you when you wake up in the morning, ask yourself the question, how am I going to meet life today? And reminding yourself, today life is going to meet me just like I meet life. And see, there is absolute science. Again, it's not blind faith. It's not dumb luck. But today, life is going to meet me just like I meet life. And today, if I meet someone that doesn't like me, it's because somewhere in my consciousness, I don't like myself. Now, some of these little pills may be a little bitter to swallow. Because you see here also in this philosophy, there are no scapegoats. There's no devil to blame here. In this philosophy, you are your own devil. You are your own God. Only you can choose the path that you must try. And nothing can save you from evil or sin until you discover the presence of God within. And as Reverend Ike has said in that immortal lecture, I meet no one but me. In other people, I only meet myself. You can never meet anyone but yourself. The attitudes and moods that you encounter in other people are reflections of some attitudes and moods within your own subconscious mind. Today, life meets me just like I meet life. Let's shout it. Today, life meets me just like I meet life. And when you realize that, you can ask yourself the next question. After you remind yourself that today life meets me just like I meet life, then ask yourself the next question. In what attitude do I go forth to meet life today? In what attitude do I go forth to meet life today? Say that with me verbally. In what attitude? Do I go forth to meet life today? I like to play with words and to say these ideas from many different similar ways to impress your subconscious mind, change words around a bit. In what frame of mind am I meeting life today? Please repeat that with me. In what frame of mind am I meeting life today? And you can be absolutely certain, again, this is science, you can be absolutely certain that life is going to meet you exactly according to your attitude, according to your frame of mind. And then when you realize that, then you begin to work on your state of mind. You begin to work on your attitudes. This is why I'm always using the old cliche here, health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. You can change it to an affirmation. Today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. Together... Today, I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. The thought of health in your mind will displace all of the suggestions in the world mind about sickness. Today, I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. 
And you see, you send your word forth and you're going to meet it because you're always meeting the word that has gone forth out of your consciousness in the experiences of your life. You're always meeting the vibrations which you've sent forth. If you send out healthy vibrations, you're going to meet health. When the so-called epidemics go around, they'll go around you. Why? Because today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. Say that with me. Today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. And yes, this is a miracle-working idea. It will work a miracle of health for you. And not only that, when you go forth into life with a healthy attitude, do you realize that your attitudes are always impinging upon the experiences of other people? A healthy attitude is also a healing power. My healthy attitude is a healing power. Together, my healthy attitude is a healing power. This is why these people who have developed a healing consciousness or a health consciousness help and bless so many people. But you see, on your job, if you go forth into life and onto your job or into school or wherever you're going with the right attitude, with the right ideas, without even opening your mouth, you will help people. Some of you right now, you can think of some people. When you see them, you feel better. And you can think of some other people, perhaps in the past, that isn't true now, because you've changed your phone number and your address and you won't tell them where you are. You can think of some people that, you know, you used to see, and it was just depressing just to see them. And I don't care if they are your relatives. If there are people who are just negative and they insist on being negative, Change your phone number. And when you change your address, don't send them a new address. Get your post office box. Send them a Christmas card once a year. From the post office box. <laughs> but anyway. Keep it locked, locked, locked on Hindsight Radio.
Hindsight Radio. Peace, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Truth Tuesday Show with your host, Akeem L. Here on Hindsight Radio, the information station changing the nation. You know, the first thing I can I have to say is, wow, wow. Why am I saying wow? Because life is full of beauty and wonder and twists and turns. Life is a process. And once you understand that process, and I think that's what people confuse life with, it's just, you know, something that happens to them instead of them making life happen for them. So, there's so much I want to talk about, so many revelations uh, I've had today and over the past few days. 
And most of those revelations had to do with myself. You know, we are on a constant journey of self-discovery. That's our job. It's to remove the raptor out of our own eye instead of trying to remove the raptor or the straw out of our brother's eye. So that's what I was doing. I was moving, you know. Getting some pieces that rapid. I still got big pieces in there. I'm trying to get it out one piece at a time. Oh, but I realized, you know, the title of the show today is, uh, is does slavery still exist? You know, are we still in bondage? Has slavery really been abolished? You know, I know they got laws saying that slavery been abolished and all of this, that, the other. But has it really been abolished? Maybe they wrote it on paper, but has it really been abolished? Well, we're going to talk about that slavery thing on a metaphysical level and a physical level. But first, let's talk about the metaphysical. You know, and furthermore, let me not go, I don't want to go right into that right away. What I want to talk about is some, as Reverend Ike would say, mind science. What it is that's holding us back? What is it keeping us from being successful? You know, what is it that's keeping us from waking up in the morning and having a positive outlook? You know? It's just one thing. It really is. Your thoughts. How you interpret and perceive information as it comes at you. How you react to situations that come at you. Whether, you know, whatever it is. That's, that's that's what's killing us. That's the thing. That's the sin. Let me start off, you know, with uh, a scripture. You know, I always go to the Bible. And it's Matthew's chapter 9. And, you know, before I read this, I just want to thank everybody for getting on and, and continue to have a good week. And I send peace and blessings out to everyone that's listening and everyone that's not listening, you know. I'm looking at the phone lines. They're kind of light right now. Maybe, you know, people still getting off work. Uh, I guess they'll catch it on the recording or when I post it on YouTube. I've noticed that most of my listens are on YouTube now. So I'm going to do a more better job getting them up there for you. Um, When I said Matthews chapter 9, and we're going to begin at verse 1. And I'm going to identify to you through this scripture what it is we have to see and correct to keep our lives on track, keep our prosperity at its best, keep our mind positive as possible. And when you when I read this, you'll see that it's very simple. It's just what complicates it is it the world, the world mind that we identify or believe in all the illusions and the different ideas that's thrown at us, you know. All right, let's start here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. Two, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Some be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, did you catch that? He said, And Jesus said, and seeing their faith said unto them, to the sick 
of the palsy, some be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven. So he knows that their faith was weak, their belief. What is faith? Let's look at that. What is faith? What does that mean? We, we throw that word around casually, but have we ever really looked it up? And, and, and oh, you know, looked it up in a dictionary. It says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And what's the synonyms? Trust, belief, confidence, conviction, credence, reliance. So it's a complete trust, meaning there is no doubt there, none whatsoever, no doubt. So what Jesus saw was there was doubt. He, he saw their faith. Then he said, some, be of good cheer. Wait a minute. What is good cheer? What does that mean? Let's look up the word cheer. Cheer the definition. With joy or in praise or encouragement. Give comfort or support to. So I would go with the number one. Synonyms for that would be motivate, rally. So he was saying, be of good cheer. Get in the feeling of you're healed. And see, so many people want things to happen for them. Maybe they want a new house or a car or they just want to have children or even want a husband or a wife. According to this scripture, you're supposed to be of good cheer. You're supposed to be joyful and, and be motivated behind that request. You don't just say, I just, you know, I want a husband, I want a wife, you know, I, I want a car and just leave it at this. You're supposed to be in the feeling of it as if you already have it, the excitement of it. Now, what's so profound about this scripture, scientists have just now caught up to this this technique, this spiritual technique. They have quantified this, took little things up to people's brains and had them make requests, and they tested some with just Ask saying, I want this, and feeling as if they had it, but no real motivation behind it. Um, and they had them add the emotion of excitement to it, motivating, the, 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 the real getting into the feeling of having it as if they, you know, like they already have it. And they noticed the brain patterns change. And of those people that made those requests in that mood got what they were asking for. They got what they had faith in. This is science. And just now, these scientists have proven it. They're late because the Bible already gave you the technique. But see, when you went to church, they overlooked these certain words and did not show you the technique that gets you what you want, what you desire. And that is the being of good cheer, being motivated, being encouraged, right? To be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now the last part, it said thy sins be forgiven. What sins is he talking about? It's simple. The simple sin of not having faith. Asking for something and then not believing. You see? So many of us are saying what we want, 
and how we want it until we have these doubts. If you have any doubt in what you're wishing to happen, the good that you desire, you will not get it. You would immediately push it down the road. You know, you have to continue to be in the mood or the feeling of what you want. And it is the sin to think anything other than good. And one of the things, this is why I played Whitney Houston at first when she said the greatest love of all is the love that you find inside of you. Because without it, nothing else works. You can't love anything or anyone without having that love inside of you. Finding the God inside of you and loving it or yourself. Loving the God in you. Loving you, that is God. You know, we've been taught to love everything else, look up to stars who could play music and guys who could dribble a basketball, you know, all of these things. And all of these things, we have faith outside of it. We have faith in people. Y'all come to me and y'all have more faith in me than you have in your own self. And I always, I always teach people. I never. That's why I have very few people who can stick with me because I don't let you get away with being lazy. Yeah, give me some paperwork and let me fix it. No, because I know that's not going to fix it. The paperwork comes with the faith in what you're doing, knowing what you're doing, studying, understanding, understanding what you're reading. Then you can put the paper down and just talk. Straight at that judge or whoever you're facing. But when you're so reliant on someone else doing something for you, you will always fail. You will always fall in your face. That's a guarantee. So many people I come across, and this is their one issue. They do not want to sit down and study and consider themselves approved. And if they study and consider them approved, the less they will need someone to do something for them. And a lot of these answers to these problems are simple. So many of y'all think y'all got different problems from everybody else. Y'all all got the same problem. And it's the one problem you don't have faith in yourself. You don't love yourself. You don't study enough to love yourself, prove on yourself. That's for you. Studying is for you and your knowledge base, not for me. It does nothing for me if you study. You understand? You have to embody things. Now, let's keep going. Verses 3 said, And behold, certain of the scribes said with themselves, This man blasphemous. See, that's the negative. That's the naysayers. Now, I'm going to take this into a metaphysical realm. The scribes and Pharisees are, themselves are the negative thoughts that you get in your mind that you have doubt for yourself. That's the scribes and Pharisees. In the context that I'm speaking of today, thing or anybody, it's you, your own negative thoughts against the things that you want. The doubt that you put in your mind stops you from getting what you want. Me or anything else cannot stop you from getting you what you want or desire if you believe and have faith in it and you get into good cheer or the good emotion of it 
nothing can stop you. There's nothing out there that can stop you. But as soon as you allow those negative thoughts, those sinful thoughts of thinking less than what God created you to be, you fail. That's the sin. And then number four says, and Jesus knowing their thoughts said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether what whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. They say if he to to the sick of the palsy arise, take up thy bed and go unto thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. So without this man having faith in what Christ was doing for him, he would have never walked. If he didn't get into the good cheer, if he didn't follow the directions, he would have never walked. You see? All right. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Now, let's examine that one. He said, given such power unto men. That means that everyone has that same healing power that Christ had. The difference between Christ, he embodied it. He knew it. He understood it. He knew how to make it work. He knew how to get into motion. He didn't have any doubt. The reason why we can't do it, a lot of us can't do it, is because we don't have faith in ourselves. Remember, there's a scripture that says, you will do greater things than I. All right? And Jesus passed forth from there, so a man named Matthew, sitting at the receipt, at the receipt of customs, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Okay, a publican is a tax collector. Well, actually, publican has two meanings. Back then, it's a tax collector. Now, a publican is someone who runs a bar, a pub. So, you know, that's where they get the word pub from. Um, but back then, that was a Roman tax collector. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eat if your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. What is he talking about? Why are these people sick? Because they, they have negative thinking. They don't know the true power within. They don't know the true God within. So Jesus is there to show them, show them how to activate this power. But go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not I I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. So he's telling you to repent of your thoughts. Your thoughts is what's killing you. Nothing else. No one else. Nobody did anything to you that's causing you problems. You caused it on yourself. And that's the problem people have. They don't want to accept the fact that they're in a situation, tough situations, or what they define as tough, because they place themselves there somehow, somewhere. No, no, I can't. That's not true. He did this and she did this. The finger's always being pointed outward. No. I'm telling you, face the reality. If you're dealing with it, you brought it to you. You're responsible. 
at yourself. Look in the mirror. It's you. If I got issues, it's me. If I'm having difficulty with someone, it's me. It could be just a simple fact. I let myself be involved with that person. Take in whatever they're doing or saying. or It's me. My reaction, it's me. All right? Uh, where was I? Then came to him the disciples of John saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast off? But thy disciples fast not. And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall, then shall they fast. See, these Pharisees were dealing with these little trivial issues to try to trip Jesus up. And that's what a lot of people are dealing with. They're dealing with trivial stuff, stuff that brings them no, nothing of any importance. Let me give you an example. I get emails from people about different sites and their opinions about the, the, you know, the different political leaders out there who may be doing child sacrifice, uh, you know, all kind of satanic things, right? Constantly. Oh, then, you know, I get all these emails, oh, they're about to stall these people. Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama is gay. Michelle Obama is a, 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 a transvestite. All these things, right? And here's what I say to that. It's like, they're like the scribes and the Pharisees. What of importance is it to me that all of this stuff is going on? It's terrible that if that's true, but I can't do anything about that. All I can do is sit around and talk about it. And talking about it brings, is that those are negative things. Why would I want to invite those things into my consciousness? Y'all know the scripture about think on these things, whatever's good, whatever's lovely. Why? And people just get so caught up in these side roads and they want to look at these negative things. They want to call you up. Did you see this and did you see that? And I've gotten to the point where I've said, I don't want to hear none of that stuff. Don't call me with it. Email me with it. I don't care about it. Know why? Because it does not move the needle any further in my positivity and my my uh, success and prosperity. All it does is get me to look at negative stuff that other people are doing that I can't do nothing about. Only thing I can do anything about is what's going on in my house with my daughter and my children and my family. That's what I'm concerned with. And I try to keep my house peaceful. Well, I do keep it peaceful. Anything that comes in here, with, or nothing comes in here that's going to disrupt the peace. You know, we should be guarding these things with our life, our priority, our wealth, our health. But instead, we invite all of these negative things, watch the news and watch these articles. Look at what Anavon Rice is saying. Look at what uh, the, 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 the Walter Conkite, whoever is out there talking. Um, what's the other guy? Uh, Sharpton and Pelosi and all of these people. I give two shits about what they think and feel. Because none of that stuff is positive, and none of those people are thinking about me when they're making their decisions or when they got up this morning. The reason why those people have so much money because they wake up in the morning saying, I go forth into life thinking, uh, thinking about making more money, 
I go forth into life by about making a law that I can put everybody else under oppression and keep myself successful. See, they're working their craft. Are you working yours? See, instead of worrying about what they're doing, why don't you worry about what you're doing when you get up in the morning? Is your first thought a negative one? Oh, my day is going to be rough. I got a lot of stuff to do. I'm going to be this. I'm going to, instead of saying, oh, my day is going to be nice and beautiful and I'm, I'm going to have a wealthy, healthy, prosperous day. And people I come in contact, I'm going to show love and they're going to return the love. Are you saying things like that when you get up? No. For the most part, people are saying negative things. And then they get surprised why they have negative problems happening. They get shocked. Oh, why is this happening? You just spoke it. I told y'all, most of y'all, most of the people out there lost their jobs because they hated their jobs. <laughs> so the government just shut it all down. Oh, okay. Push the button. Oh, pandemic. Y'all can't go to work no more. That's because most of y'all didn't like your job. Hated it. Sick to your stomach thinking to get up on a Monday morning to go to work. And they don't lie. Y'all know. Confess. Tell the truth. Now that it's happened, you're shocked. Oh, my God, the government is being oppressive. They're trying to be God. No, you're God. You're the ones that got the government to do it. They just did it in a way you didn't expect. That's why it says be careful what you ask for. You're surprised that they use the pandemic to shut you down, run some people out of businesses. Some of the businesses that went out of business probably should be in another business. They probably didn't love those businesses. Oh, I seen you being hard. That's not nice. No, I'm telling the truth. Sometimes the truth don't sound nice. Most of y'all hated your job. Hated what you was doing. You were sick. Sick and tired. Not knowing a way out. And guess what? The spirit gave you a way out. You did it by force. All right? So let me keep going. Okay. No man put a, a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, but that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. What is, what is he saying? He's saying you cannot get new things thinking old thoughts. Some of you got some raggedy thoughts, but y'all want new things to come from those raggedy thoughts. Okay. You got to change it up. Here it is again. Reiterate in another way. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. So what it's saying, if you put, try to try to take new things and put it into old things, it's going to break a new man, new woman. Meaning everything that you did up until this point has to change. Everything. Everything. Sometimes that might even mean your surroundings. That may even mean your family. That may even mean your friends, the job. If you really want your desires, you have to be willing to become a new woman or a new man. And that means letting go ideas, old thoughts. And let's talk about old ideas. One of the oldest ideas on the planet is your religious ideals. 
And some of y'all have been only Christians because your parents introduced them to you. And most people who have not read the Bible thoroughly or even understand or overstand what the Bible is really saying to them. But yet, this is my faith. I believe it. And you turn around and do something totally different. No. We only serve idea of God. You're not really serving the true God. See, to serve the true God is to know yourself. To know God is to know you. You must know yourself. Where do you come from? If you don't know yourself, then you don't know God. So, you know, I love God, but you don't love your brother. But no, no, no. See, let's, let's, this is, what brother are we talking about? Yourself. What sister are we talking about? Yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love God. To know God is to know yourself. That's where it all starts, you. But you got to put off that old personality and put on a new one. Put off old ideals and put on a new one. Because these old ideas, these old traditions have, is not working. As you can see, if you, you look around, this old system of ideals is falling apart because it couldn't sustain itself. This is why we're running from one issue to the next. There's a pandemic. Now it's Black Lives Matter. What's next? People that are totally clueless keep running out and say, oh, all lives matter. You're clueless when you say that. Because you're taking a group of people and minimizing the pain that they've been going through for years or hundreds of years. There's a certain group of people, people of color, who go through things that other groups do not go through. And when you jump out there and say, Oh, all lives matter to include yourself in something that you don't even experience is a selfish thought and unthoughtful. I had to address that. Because so certain groups of people don't have to talk to their children. You know, they don't have to talk to their children like that. People of color gotta tell their children, hey, you know, when please go to this is what you need to do so you can stay alive. Because you think because that can be a life or death situation in counseling police in this country with people of color, the indigenous people, the true Americans. If you don't understand what Americans, who the Americans really are, go get you an 1828. Know what the dictionary, the definition is there of the true Americans. See, I don't use those terms black and African-American. Those are all made-up corporate terms to put you in a position of slavery. You see, we dealing with, um, and that's the reason why those true Americans are treated that way because they try to they want to keep them blinded from the truth of who they really are in this world, what their real position is. The Bible said the first will become the last, and then the last will become first. This is what's happening, but but it also said the Bible that will reverse itself, and this is what's happening. All of this stuff is turning on its head. And that first that had became last is now going to become first again, eventually. They're going to be coming to their own self, and they're going to wake up to who they truly are, what their real connection is to God and everything around them, form of glory. That's why I sit back and I worry about nothing when it comes to that. I know in order for change to happen, things have to be shaken up casualties, and sometimes lives will be lost. 
That's just the way it is, how life was. But I still remain positive. I don't get caught up in fear. All right? Now, and let me continue. Finish the lesson. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. See, ruler had faith. He knew, just come and do this. She'll live. He didn't say, can you come and do this for me, and, and, and hopefully she'll live. He had the faith. He had the feeling that she will live. He said, she shall live. And so Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, the woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. But she said within herself, you you hear that? Within herself, she got excited. She became of good cheer. And she said, if I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. Do you have faith like this? He didn't even keep in her. See, it's according to your faith. So it will be. See, the other man's faith was, you come touch her, lay thy hand on her, she shall live. Her faith was, I don't have to talk to him. I just need to touch it, touch his garment, and, and I'll be healed. See, everybody's faith is different. It don't have to be set one way, but what has to be set is your faith, your good cheer, your excitement about it has to be set. And genuine, without doubt. And behold, a woman, uh, okay, for she said within herself, if I may touch, but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. See, he said, faith hath made a whole. And said, be of good comfort. See, everything in here is positive. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. See, these are the naysayers that will laugh at you for your excitement and your faith when you tell when you just say, Let's just say you want to be a millionaire. You're just excited, I'm a millionaire. Not quite your bank account may not be representing that and people scorn and laugh, Oh, he's crazy. You know? That's what happens. But your own, your mind will do that too. Your mind will scorn you. Your mind will make fun of you. Thing you need to check. Because that's where the real problem lies. What people say outside of you means nothing. It's your thoughts, keeping those in check. And um, But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her hand and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. And when Jesus departed, then Two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him and said, saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this, they said unto him, Ye Lord. And touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. See? They had a different type of They said, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Heal us. So they believed that he can do it, but they had the excitement of it to follow it. And he said, According to your faith, be it unto you. 
is always according to your faith. How much faith do you have in your desires? How much faith do you have in yourself? Like I said, most people have more faith in me than in their own selves or other people than their own selves. And the key to healing in any situation is to have faith in yourself. These people believed, all right? And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth. But they, when they were, were departed, spread abroad his fame in all of that country. See, he gave them a, a, an order not to say anything, but they let it out anyway. They were so happy. All right? As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, here come the naysayers. He cast us out devils through the prince of the devil? <laughs> See, that's what they say. The devil casting out the devil. The prince of the devil casting out his own people. That's what they're trying to say. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, teaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, this brings me to my last thing, and I stood silent and I watched. And I talked to someone extensively last weekend, um, a woman friend of mine, who's a, uh, she's a prophet. Some use the word prophetess. I say prophet because prophet is neither male nor female. It's just your prophet, right? A prophetess, they add it all. And put aside all the fears of this pandemic and bring the people together and talk to them. Stop fearing in this COVID-19, this coronavirus. If you really have faith in God, then you know he will keep you healed, keep you from harm. Now, what was so striking about this situation, the the pastors and the so-called ministers, they were all dead silent for these last few months. Every now and then you heard something about a church who defied the orders and brought their people in and worshipped. But most of them did it from home, from the TV screen. What I find interesting, you could go into Walmart where there's hundreds of people. I can go to Target where there's hundreds of people. I can go to the liquor store, which is just much smaller environment, and buy liquor. I can go to Lowe's. I can go to Home Depot. I can go. I can. I can go to all of these other businesses and do business. But they kept everybody home from their place of worship. And I know some of y'all. Well, we did Zoom. That's not good enough because you need the connection with your brothers and sisters. Because some people, but some people, church is all they had to keep them sane throughout the week. That fellowship, that feeling of camaraderie, going to church and being close to someone, just hugging someone, or just being close to someone that can give them a word of encouragement or a word of healing. The government took that from you. That's why it didn't make sense. You know, the church could figure out a way to meet and then practice social distancing. In those churches, that's what they wanted to do. 
this sister receives ridicule for, no, I'm not going to let COVID-19 stop me. She hugged and she taught and healed with her words and through prayer. She's, she's been out of the prayer line since this whole thing started. I didn't know not one male pastor that even did that. And I know a lot of pastors that consistently did this every week. I think she did it daily, if I'm not mistaken. Tisha says they cannot abridge the religious freedom. So those orders were unconstitutional on its face. But putting the Constitution aside, who do you believe in? Who do you have faith in? You have faith in government making decisions as far as your religious freedom? We already know what that leads to, having faith in these crooks. Because they're all crooks. They can't even keep their own house together, but they can tell you how to worship God. And that's basically what they did. And all of these, see, see all of this healing that Christ did? What happened to the healing in the churches? Because they had fear and doubt. They believed in coronavirus. They believed in COVID-19. So, of course, if you believe in it, it will affect you. That's why when people wanted to talk about it and, oh, this and that, I tried to listen. I don't want to talk about that because you will get sick if you attach yourself to the energy of this COVID-19. And then, of course, they're going to say you're, you're positive, and then they want to do all of this contact tracing and all of this craziness. You know? Through this whole time, when I went outdoors, I went to stores, I traveled and everything, I didn't wear a mask. I think I wore a mask one time in the store where they said I couldn't come in there. Was, I needed some groceries. I liked the, the groceries that was in the store. I, I wore it one time in that store. But under duress, <laughs> I did it for a brief while I was in that store for about 30 minutes. So let me correct that. But I didn't get sick. And I'm sure a lot of you people you didn't get sick. And the people that you know that probably got sick, they were sitting there all into the energy of this thing. So let me finish this off. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they brought a sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, that the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Yeah, just because you got churches all over the place, the workers are still few. Because true workers, people who have true faith, it's few. There's a lot of, now, this really opened up a lot of people's eyes about their church and their pastors and stuff like that. Whoa, you guys were preaching when you didn't have no big problems. Now we got a real problem. Where are you? You became just like the people. So where did your real power come from? I've always told you, the power in church comes from the people. That energy, that belief, that faith in that pastor gives them the power to speak those words. But when you don't have that audience, your power is gone. See, I don't have an audience in front of me that I look at every day and talk. My power comes from within, the God in me, the download I get. That's where it comes from. And I ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just starting. 
But what I what I want to tell you in you, I have the love in you. This will get you what you want. Because men, women will let you down. If you look outside of you, they will let you down. All right, that's it. It's 803, so what I'm going to do is take a short break, and we're going to talk about this whole slavery thing um, the, on that part, the, the, the actual governmental slavery. So let's see. Take a little break. Get me something to drink. I will be right back. So then, you could say that a kind of extremely subtle sensory awareness has to be developed as between the individual and his environment so that he feels it out. Now, today, this sort of talk is very unpopular because scientifically-minded people, especially academic scientists, those who teach in universities, are exceedingly suspicious of intuitive reactions. They say, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You can get into all sorts of trouble that way. But the thing that they neglect to, to realize is that everybody uses it. Even the most meticulously careful, analytical, rigorous, sound scientist uses intuitive judgment after a certain point. Why? Because uh, you may accumulate data forever and you may decide that this is uh, on the whole and uh, taking all due things into consideration and procedures having been worked out that this is the right thing to do. Why do you decide then? Mostly because time's up and somebody's pressing for a decision or else you are bored to death with bringing in data because you never know much how much data you need to make a certain decision and therefore you may go on collecting data till all is blue but in the last analysis you'll work on hunch a person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation. A good servant, but a bad master. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. That's to say, we confuse signs, words, numbers, symbols and ideas with the real world. Most of us would have rather money than tangible wealth, 
and a great occasion is somehow spoiled for us unless photographed. And to read about it the next day in the newspaper is oddly more fun for us than the original event. This is a disaster. For as a result of confusing the real world of nature with mere signs, such as bank balances and contracts, we are destroying nature. We are so tied up in our minds that we've lost our senses. Time to wake up. back. That's right. It's time to wake up. Changing all around. Some of y'all think it's changing for the worse. I personally think it's changing for the better. I just know that there's going to be some, you know, things going to be a mess before you can clean it up. So let it all play out. Uh, before I talk about my point, um, if you got anything, questions or anything, be sure to press the one button uh, right now. There's not one hand. A lot of people on the lines, but not one hand is up. So when I finish making my point and there's no hands up, I'm going to say good night. All right? So has slavery been abolished? Let me put it to you this way. The government says, your state says, that you have to have certain credentials in order to do things. Like, for instance, a driver's license. Oh, you got to get a driver's license. And if you don't get a driver's license, we're going to write you tickets. You got to register your car. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to send your kids to school. Or we're going to punish you if you don't. We'll lock you up, take your kids from you. Uh, It sounds like involuntary servitude to me, right? But is it really involuntary servitude or is it voluntary servitude? How do we get caught up into these things? It's very simple. Every state form that is masked as a state form is a federal form. Because on every state form, they're asking you one question. Are you a U.S. citizen? See, Now, let me clear something up to you. A lot of people think U.S. citizen and citizen of the United States is the same thing. They are not. See, in the IRS code, they say U.S. citizens and non-resident aliens are supposed to uh, complete a 1044. That is different from a citizen of the United States. The wording, okay? So a citizen of the United States is really not a responsible for that 1040. But do you want to be a citizen of the United States? Oh, hell no. You don't want to be anyway. But you got to make a distinction between the two. You're going to say, I'm not a U.S. citizen, nor am I a citizen of the United States. You got to clear that up. Make that clear. Now, back to what I was saying. All of these forms you're filling out, they're asking you the one question, are you a U.S. citizen? They don't ask you, are you a citizen of the United States? Why do they ask you, are you a U.S. citizen? Because they want to 
keep pulling you into the jurisdiction of the IRS so that they can keep you as a slave, a voluntary slave. Why are you a voluntary slave? Because at the end of each one of those forms, on the penalty and perjury, you're signing that everything on that form is true and correct. So you just told them on that form that you're a U.S. citizen, that you're black, African-American, or white, or whatever other box you checked off, you're that. And they're going to take that form and use that against you. That's why it's important to correct the status of correct your status and correct the store man's status. I just did the name change webinar, showing you how to correct the name. You know, I've already taught you guys how to do your password correcting the status. And um, now we're working on the allegiance, how he looks in commerce. This is always going to be in commerce in some form. Now, what you're trying to do is stay away from being looked at as the allegiance. You're creating a separation with the name. All right? So let's read this. I put a link in the chat. And it's Section 9 of the United States Constitution. Uh, I think it's Article 1. Article 1, Section 9. And it's right after. And section 9 is provisions as to migration or importation of certain persons. Habeas corpus, bills of attainder, et cetera, taxes. Our portion, no export duty, no commercial preference, money how drawn from treasury, et cetera, no titula nobility, no title of nobility. I think that's what that's really supposed to Offices not to receive presents, et cetera. And number one, we're just going to stick with number one of that section nine. Nine, subsection one. The migration or importation of such persons as any of the states now existing shall think proper to admit, shall not be prohibited by the Congress by the year 1808. What are they talking about? Slaves. Right? The migration or importation of such persons as any of the states now existing shall think proper to admit, shall not be prohibited by Congress prior to year 1808. But a tax or duty may be imposed on such importations not exceeding $10 for each person. So they could charge up to $10 for each person. Why do I bring this up? Because there's another way that we enter into slavery. Through auto loans, credit cards, and the biggest one or the longest contract is your mortgage. Now, those of you who have have a mortgage or whoever looked at or did a mortgage audit, a forensic audit on your mortgage and how it was transferred, you would notice that every time they transfer that mortgage, there's a $10 consideration. This here, that is following in the spirit of this provision in the Constitution. Not to exceed $10. So what are they doing? They're taking that debt paper, that debtor paper, that slave paper, and said it can't exceed $10, so... Here it is. I'm going to transfer to you. Here's the $10 consideration. That was a big question. Why do they do $10? What's this $10? Because you're considered a slave. 
That in legis is a slave. You know the bill comes in all caps name, the debtor's name. And we already know what that means, right? Maxima, diminutio, or diminutio, let's just go. Capitus, maxima, diminutio. I might be saying it backwards. Let's go to the actual Black's Law Dictionary, uh, third edition. Um, and read it. Because somebody actually asked me, why don't we use the, the very last one, minima? Uh, somebody did ask me that, which is a great question. So we're going to answer that tonight. Um, Diminutio maxima, the highest or most comprehensive loss of status. So this is why those bills come in the name of the all caps, because that's the slave they're addressing. They're not addressing you. That's the debtor. And we all know being a debtor is a slave. Why do I know this? Because in the Articles of Confederation, I've always read this in my in my seminars. I break this down to you. I read this part, and I just started really breaking it down. In Section 4 of the Article of Confederation, it says, the better to secure and perpetuate mutual friendship and intercourse among the people of different states in this union. The free inhabitants of, of these states, and they go on to say, paupers, vagabonds, and fugitives from justice accepted. So they're not even included into this free intercourse and commerce and being a free inhabitant. So if you take a benefit from the government, I read this definition a couple of weeks ago, you are a pauper. You receive any type of benefit out of any of their laws. They don't even have to be money. Just accepting that benefit, they consider you a pauper. You have no rights. So slavery has not been abolished. It's just been transformed to look a certain way so you don't see that you are actually a slave. They gave you the illusion of freedom. You see, they let you go out and get jobs, let you go to school, but you have to, you got to be in attendance. Your kid got to be in attendance certain amount of days and get in trouble, you know. Oh, yeah, come get this driver's license, but you got to pay us to get it. It's mandatory that you have it, though, but you got to give us the money for it. Oh, yeah, you got the registered card, but you got to give us the taxes for it and the registration fee for it. So if you want a card, you got to come register it here. And you got to pay us at the same time. That's involuntary servitude or voluntary servitude. If you go and you sign those papers, all around you, you're being treated like a slave. And that's the hard truth. Now, how do we get out of these things? Well, before I get into that, I said I was going to talk about this. Somebody actually emailed me this question. And it says, the next one is Capitus Diminutio Media. A lesser or medium loss of status, this occurred where a man lost his rights of citizenship but without loss of his liberty. It carried away also the family rights, right? So you want to lose the citizenship. Why? You're not a U.S. citizen, nor are you a state citizen. There's a lot of people who say, oh, be a state citizen. Oh, go ahead. Have fun at it. When the Constitution specifically say every citizen of this state owes allegiance to the United States. Those are people who don't read constitutions that say that, right? 
So let's go to the next one. This person asked, why don't we use this one, where it says capitis, capitis diminutio minima, the lowest or least comprehensive degree of loss of status. This occurred where a man's family relations alone would change. See, it only changed in one status, his family relationship. It happened upon the abrogation of a person who had been his own master, sui juris, or upon the emancipation of one who had been under the patria poti- Testius, it left the rights of liberty and citizenship unaltered. You don't want the citizenship. This is why we don't use the minimum. The middle one is the one you want because you get rid of the citizenship and your liberties are intact. You see? That's why. See, at one time, citizenship was fine, and so they started creating all these new laws. Redefining things And now in this day and age No, no, no You don't want any form of citizenship Attached to any state, government Federal Or If you want to be a citizen, be a citizen of God Even the Bible says that You can actually quote that from the Bible I'm a citizen of Christ Or a citizen of the kingdom of heaven And here's the scripture that mentions that Just type in You know Citizen of and in the Bible, it'll bring the scripture up. I had it, I got it somewhere, and um, I don't have time to look for it. I've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes now. Uh, so keep in mind, you are being treated like a slave with all of these rules and regs that they want you to follow. So right now, what we're doing is walking back all these contracts. That's why getting your passport done, getting the name change done, getting your trust done so that you don't have any contacts with the public. The trust is doing everything, and you're just running that trust, administering your trust, okay? Because right now the government is administering a trust against you and making you responsible for all the debt, okay? Then remember... Life meets you as you meet it. And that's it. For me, as Reverend Ike will say, thus endeth the lesson. Yeah, okay, Newton, I'm glad you understood what I was talking about. Um, I didn't forget about your question. I had it last week, but I got caught up and I didn't get to it. Um, one last call for question, 822. You just got a comment. Something positive to say. Um, give me a shot. All right. Well, since nobody put their hand up, uh, y'all have a good night. Have a, a nice, productive. And remember, when you wake up tomorrow morning, say something positive. You decide how your day is going to be. And with that being said, peace. I'm talking to you about improving your weak points, redeeming your negative aspects. And I want to be personal about this, so to say, improving my weak points. 
redeeming my negative aspects. This lesson is based upon the story of Judas, the twelfth disciple of Jesus. Judas is a very famous disciple of Jesus for a rather negative reason. It is said of Judas that he betrayed the Christ. And of course, we would do well to deal in some repetition of introductory remarks about this whole subject at the moment. For this is a part of our study called Your Twelvefold Power of Mind are Your Twelvefold Divine Power. And this study is based upon the esoteric understanding that Jesus and the twelve disciples are you. And the twelve faculties of your mind. Jesus is not simply a historical figure or a theological figure. Jesus is the mastermind in man. Jesus is the mastermind in me. Say that in the first person. Jesus is the mastermind within me. Jesus is the God-conscious mind in man. Jesus is the God-conscious mind in me together. Jesus is the God-conscious mind in me. There is this mind within me, within you, within every man, no matter his spiritual or material condition. There is this mind in me, within every man, which knows who and what he is in God, who and what God is in him. If there be a drunkard on Skid Row right now, totally out of it, in alcoholic oblivion, lying on the street, I say that in the very being of the being of that man is the mind which knows the truth about that man, the reality of God, the reality of good is within every person. And there is this within me. There is this capital T within you. I don't want to say that. To me, it's this. 
because it's right here, right now. There is this within you, there is this within me that never forgets who I am. There is this within me, this within you. There is this within every so-called sinner which knows who I am. And when the so-called sinner is so-called saved, he is saved only because the Savior is already within him. And he is saved when he comes back to the knowledge of the Christ within. Well, the only way that we can ever come to Christ is to come to the indwelling Christ, to come to the indwelling God. No, there is no outer Christ. Every outer Christ is a false Christ. And when a man comes to Christ, he comes to the Christ of his being, to the truth of his being. He comes to the realization of who and what he is in God and who and what God is in him. And every man who becomes conscious of this begins to express the Christ, to demonstrate the Christ. And this mind which knows God within every man is the Christ. Now this Christ mind within you, within me, within every man has 12 disciples, has 12 faculties, are qualities, are attributes, are aspects. And each one of these 12 functions of the Christ mind in you, in me, in every man, must be disciplined or discipled to serve our good purpose, to serve our God purpose. If the mind refuses or neglects to discipline its twelve faculties, these twelve faculties will disserve him, will betray him, this is where we come to the story of Judas. Here is one faculty of the mind that was not quickly enough disciplined. Here is a faculty of the mind which was not quickly enough trained to serve the master. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things in life, there are some things in the cosmic order that cannot be skipped. The twelve disciples of the mastermind, one missed and almost messed up the whole plan of salvation. Now, this is not just a theological history. This is present. This is a factor within your being that you had better think seriously about right now. If you do not discipline yourself spiritually, mentally, physically, totally, if you do not discipline the twelve attributes of your being, those who are undisciplined will betray you, will deserve you, and mess up your whole plan of salvation. A bit of rank heresy at the moment, but it will demonstrate something very important. Certain of the Eastern mystics say that a man reincarnates on this earth 
again and again until he learns what he has to learn. I'm not going to get into the pros and cons of reincarnation as a point that I want to make. Be that as it is, I is not, or as it may or may not be. I'll tell you this. There are certain spiritual realities that you are going to have to learn and discipline yourself to follow. And I'll tell you one thing, you will catch hell until you learn. Because every time we have a challenge, every time we have a problem, it is an indication to us that there is something right here that I need to know. There's something right here that I need to learn. I'll say this also, and in some quarters it may sound like heresy. I'll tell you this also, you know, you cannot die out of life. Even if you hang yourself, even if you commit suicide. When you leave this body, that's not all. That's not the end of it. I've got news for you. When you came into your present body, that wasn't the beginning of life. <laughs> this body is neither the beginning nor the ending of you. I'm sure of this. I'm not going to argue about reincarnation. I even introduce it very much at this point. But I'll tell you this. When you go, you take one thing with you, and I'm certain of that. Your consciousness. I am certain of that. Leaving the body isn't a big thing with me at all because I'm not bound by it. I've passed that stage anyway. I'm not bound to it anyway. And so when I do decide to leave it, finally, it will frankly be nothing new to me. I get into so many subjects at one time. I remember once sitting right here in visualization with you. Maybe I was in 1973, I believe it was. And we were doing a visualization treatment. And I said, I see myself through the eyes of God. It was somewhere in the middle of that visualization. And then and there, out through my physical eyes, my consciousness projected. And I saw my body sitting in the chair, still giving the visualization. There are thousands of people here. And the intellect, of course, said to me very quickly, you better get back in there. This is not the time to do this. <laughs> so being conscious of the fact that I am not this body, even though this body is mine, it's not me. Having that consciousness and various other experiences that I won't even go into, Paul went into a part of his, he said, I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven. It's interesting, Christians are afraid of these little things, but yet they're all over the Bible, all in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus even spoke with Elijah and some of the other prophets that had gone, and it's spooky, really. Maybe this is why some of the Orthodox Christians don't deal with some of these things. But anyway, I've gotten into a million subjects here all at one time, but I do want to point out to you you are consciousness. You are awareness. You are an individualization of the I am God. Each man is an individualization of infinite God. And you as individual consciousness are going to have to learn who you are. Hopefully, all of us who have been studying in these various series over the past few weeks, hopefully we have all built our consciousness to a higher level. I feel that I have. I can feel the difference. And the more you learn about the truth of you, about the truth of God in you, about the truth of good in you, 
then the less you will have to suffer. Now, God doesn't put suffering on us, no, not even to try us. As I said in a previous session, there's really nothing hard about this. If there be any hardness, it's really in the individual that sometimes the ears are so stopped up with the wax of world opinion <laughs> and religious and theological gobbledygook. And you see, the more we hear the truth and study the truth and meditate upon the truth, the more it melts the wax of world opinion and religious gobbledygook out of our ears. So what we're really doing in these sessions, we're cleaning our ears. We're cleaning our inner ears so that we can hear God, so that we can hear good, so that we can hear truth, so that we can hear the Christ of our being. You have a job to do. I have a job to do. I'm thinking of a hymn, and I believe John Wesley is the author. A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. Now, there's even an, a valid esoteric interpretation to that. I have a job to do. Now, most of the evangelists are caught up on preaching the gospel to the whole physical earth. Here we understand that we are, first of all, preaching the gospel to our earth, to our world of mind, to our world of consciousness. But we do have a charge to keep. We have a job to do in our own consciousness. Yes, and we do have a never-dying soul. And the never-dying soul, again, is the individualization of infinite God, which you are. And to fit it for the sky, to fit it for its high estate, to fit it for its high spiritual estate. Yes, every person has a high spiritual estate. I have a high spiritual estate. And he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's the secret? And I heard one minister say, and it's true in a way, said there are no secrets. No, there are no secrets, not really. But what you don't know is a secret to you until you know it. See, most people are a secret to themselves. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a secret to most people. Oh, me? Yes, you. And again, I told you about the young man that I'm going to do a special sermon on. He gave me a good sermon. Who said to me, Reverend Ike, you know, those rich people sure do have a secret. And I sure wish I knew it. And I said to him, yes, son, we do have a secret. We do know a secret. And you are that secret. So let me hear every one of you say, I am the secret. I am the secret. And you see, the master Jesus realized this, and it was not a secret to him. This is why he could say, I am the truth. <laughs> you see, and after all that catching hell and bumping your head and going through hell trying to get to heaven, when you finally discover the truth, you will discover I am the truth. When you finally discover the way after you've been through the Baptist, the Methodist, the Holy Rollers, the Metamagicians, and the Evangelists, and the Catholics, and the Protestants, after you've been through all of that, when you finally do discover the way, your ultimate discovery will be I am the way. I am the root and the offspring. I am the first. And the last, the beginning and the end. I am the Lord, which was and is to come. <laughs> but don't get so hung up on I am to come 
that you forget that I am the Lord, which is. <laughs> because the same one that you are hanging around here looking for to come, the same one I am right now. <laughs> I'm the third and the last. The beginning and the end. Now, so since you are with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.